You guys, thank you. Jess, that was awesome. Uh, I want to I point out one other thing, and, or just invite you to one other thing on that card or the, on your phone where you scan the thing. There's something called um, RSVP to launch, I think is what it said. Um, sign up for launch. Um, if, if you haven't gone through launch, launch is sort of launches you into the life of this church and the next discipleship process. And, and our goal has been for everyone in the church to go through launch. And then especially if you're a newer person to the church or checking the church out, it'll be happening next week and the following week. It's two weeks of free lunch, basically. <laughs> and all of a sudden, people signed up. Uh, but I, I just want to make that known. If, if you have been checking the church out or you haven't gone through launch, it's just a great thing that reinforces who we are as a church. Uh, we'll do some things about you and your gifts and then, and then ways that can link up and help you take your next step in your faith journey of authentic relationship with God and one another. So uh, I've got a scripture for us to start that I want us to read together. My name's Matt Carlson. Uh, I'm the lead pastor. Um, they built a cage for me, but we put drums in it instead. Um, Ransom is a drummer. Where's Ransom? R Ransom's right there. He's a drummer. And we put him in this box. And uh, he was complaining. He said, oh, it's kind of hot and dark. And I said, man, drummers are so high needs. He goes, yeah, like breathing and seeing. <laughs> but... John, John and Shelly have been doing a ton of work getting the stage reset and built, and they are doing such a good job. All right? So, back to the scripture we were going to read. Um, let, look at this one. This is Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a bold prayer. First penned and uttered by David a few thousand years ago. We've been talking about hiding these last few weeks as we're talking about wholehearted, talking about ways that we hide. A few weeks ago, we talked about hiding from God, and we do not need to do that. Last week, we talked about hiding from others and what that costs us in genuine connection and intimacy in relationships. And this morning, we're going to talk about something interesting, hiding from ourselves. So you ready to push into it? Okay, grab a... You know, on your phone, or if you have a Bible or need a Bible, you can get one in the back. Uh, if you, we encourage everyone to take notes, have something to write on, have something to write on. Uh, I am lucky and fortunate to have a wife who loves God, who loves me, and is a therapist, all right? <laughs> Look out. Uh, earlier this year, I think maybe when we were washing dishes or maybe afterwards, at some point, I 
I told her, I said, hey, hey Mel, I said, I'm, I'm struggling with feeling compartmentalized. Like, like I'm a pastor who acts one way, and I have this part of me and this compartment of me. And then, for, don't call me about this, but for some people, I'm their sprinkler guy. And I, and I like show up, I'm pastor sprinkler. But I show up as sprinkler guy, and I, I act one way, and people expect a certain thing of me. Uh, certain friends I have, I, I talk with one way. And another group of friends I talk with a different way. And it's not just that certain circumstances need different levels of engagement, but, but I felt like I was almost different people at different times. It was also internal. I would want to show up in a situation maybe with my kids or my family. I would want to show up in a way that was very non-controlling, but... I would end up showing up in a way that was controlling, and I'd struggle with, like, control issues. A part of me wants to be disciplined and work out and wake up every morning at a certain time. A part of me, another part of me, wants to eat whatever the heck I want and never work out. A part of me wants to, at night, like, read a very engaging book and journal and write insightful things, you know. Another part of me just like wants to sip whiskey and watch TV and just zone out at the same time. Different parts would want different things at the same time. So my wife, the one who loves God and loves me and is a therapist, said, Matt, it seems like you are not feeling very integrated. And I said, Yes, that is a really good word for it. I don't feel integrated. In fact, I feel disintegrated. I got issues, guys. <laughs> so what I did is I got a book, right? <laughs> I, got, I got this book, Wholeheartedness. And honestly, part of this book, I didn't know, I had it wrong. I thought the name of the book was Wholehearted. It's Wholeheartedness. Um, but I got this book by a guy named Chuck DeGroat, and Busyness, Exhaustion, and Healing the Divided Self. And I, I said, man, I, I want to kind of lean into this. And what, what, how, how do I feel more integrated, more whole, not like these different parts? The, the basic premise of the book is that holiness is synonymous with wholeness. That bringing our full selves into the presence and reality of God in a way that produces transformation and, and really through a process of integration. Like, God, let me be more holy. Let me be more whole. Let me bring all parts of myself in front of you that integrate and, and, and experience a deeper awareness, God, of you and of myself. And, and it comes together. And there's an aspect to this book where I struggle. Basically... The book encouraged a welcoming of different parts of ourselves in a way that seemed like counterintuitive, almost, I don't know if this is, um, I'll say a word, don't, don't, don't hold me too strong on this, but almost like counter-Christian to me. 
What, what it was is, let, let, let's say, let's take the part of me that wants to be lazy. This book gave advice and said, instead of ignoring that vo voice or hiding that voice or just pushing through it and pushing it aside, DeGroote says, listen to that voice. Give it room. Be curious about it. What, what may that part of me be trying to say? And this was difficult for me because I recognized that, the, that my way of coping with parts of myself that are like difficult, that I'm not really proud of, it, it's to beat them down, to ignore them, or to discipline them. Like, beat my body and make it a slave, you know, is, is a verse I'll quote. And DeGroote said, no, this only leads to further disintegration. It's better to listen to the voice and wonder, what is this part of me trying to say? What's it trying to tell me? Hiding this aspect of myself or ignoring it was actually giving it greater control and influence because there was something behind this voice. I needed to bring it into the light of Jesus and who I am in him. Instead of hiding it, I need to listen to it. I'm not telling you guys this because uh, I need to like, have a personal therapy time in the sermon time. Well, maybe I do, but I'm not going to totally do that. I, I think the truth is we all struggle with disintegration on some level. We are all internally divided, and we have places in our lives where we hide or where we are embarrassed. We have an imposter voice within us that tells us that we're a failure or we don't have what it takes. We have parts of ourselves that are not in line with what we really believe and want, and our desires are mixed. Can you pinpoint that in your life? You know what I'm talking about. How does the gospel address this struggle? As followers of Jesus, how are we to be an integrated person? How does God transform us and make us holy, whole? How do we bring all parts of ourselves to him? Not living disintegrated, not believing the lies we tell ourselves, and not believing the lies that the enemy that Satan would whisper into our ears. The New Testament, I had all these verses I could pull from, but I'm, I'm just going to sit, I'm just going to go to one. I'm just going to go to one. The New Testament talks about like different selves within ourself. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 22 to 20, 24. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. It says this. Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, 
put it off and be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That old self, that part where, where we're living apart from God, outside uh, of his will, outside of the truth of who we are in him, and we're stuck in the sinfulness of our flesh and living an unredeemed life. We have parts of us, friends, even as believers, which still operate in this old system. And we're to put them off and be made new in the what? In the attitude of your minds. Be made new in the attitudes of our minds. And this is where I struggle and I am still growing. Could it be, I just throw this out here to you. Could it be that the attitude of transformation, like the attitude of our mind that actually brings transformation and change is not one of self-condemnation, but instead of a compassionate curiosity. God, I can't believe I thought that thing. I can't believe I did. I'm such an idiot. Lord, why? Why did I go to that again? Why did I do that thing again? I have released control of my life, and I seek to be led by God and His Spirit. So in that, God says, hey, you want to follow me? You should be kind. Kindness should mark your life. Okay? Great, God. I want to be kind to people. God, everyone's created by you. I'm a follower of you. I should be kind to people. The truth is, I still struggle with being selfish. And sometimes in my selfishness, I'm mean. God, why does this, why does this part of me still want to dominate other people? I feel bad about it. When I'm mean, when I'm unkind... And honestly, so oftentimes the first thing I want to do is I want to condemn it. I want to push it down. I want to kind of ignore I did it or, or just beat myself up. I want to hide it even from myself. I want to forget that I acted like that. Do I condemn it and push it down and hide it? Or should the attitude of my mind be one of curiosity? God, why am I still wanting to dominate other people? It leads to me then being unkind. What is going on? What is underneath this? See, the new self is created to be like God in righteousness. I love these two words. Do not miss these words. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Like those are Christian words and they're great words and we can unpack them and they're full and I don't want to just change them, but... Simply, righteousness is right relationships. Right relationship. And I always say with God, with others, and with ourself. God, we want to be righteous and be in right relationship even with ourself. And what we think is in line with who you are and what is most true. And holiness, as we said today, is wholeness. Integrated. We bring our whole self to you, Lord, seeking right relationship. 
See, the Bible speaks and says, friends, you have multiple parts within yourself. It's not just some latest secular therapy trend. It's actually rooted in scriptures and the very nature of just what it is to be human. So let me just be honest because I suspect, well, I have been honest. Let me continue to be honest. <laughs> I'm still laughing about we pray weekly, W-E. <laughs> I suspect that just hearing this off the cuff, if, if we were really to sit down and talk, most of us would wrestle, especially if we've grown up in a pretty strong Christian environment. That, that, that we wrestle with curiosity and compassion towards our old self instead of condemnation. Like, Matt, doesn't the Bible call us to put to death the deeds of the flesh? Like, stop acting out of line with who God is. Stop sinning and live holy. If part of you wants to lie, don't. If you're lying, stop it. Don't like be all compassionate and curious. Why am I lying? Why am I stealing all this money? Just stop stealing the money. Just, right? The gospel, though, you guys, is not just behavior modification, it's actually life transformation. The gospel applied is a slow heart transplant. We move from having hearts of stone to gaining hearts of flesh. God doesn't just change our behavior. He changes our hearts. We're justified the moment we give our life to Jesus, and we are sanctified, made whole, holy, slowly, bit by bit, as we welcome the truth of God into that aspect of our life. So why in the disintegrated, in the compartments, in the pieces of ourselves, why is compassionate curiosity actually better than condemnation and self-condemnation, both for, for why, what, what comes to actual transformation, to like actually changing your heart, but also into in walking in line with who God is. What's the truth of God and who he says we are? So why, why is curiosity better than condemnation? I'm going to bring up a friend. I'm calling a friend to answer this question. Grant, Grant Lighthizer is, uh, y'all should cheer for him as he comes up here. Grant is, uh, Grant's a friend, and uh, he and his family have been a part of this church for a long time. Grant actually started coming here when he was young, and I was young, and now we're not as young. Um, Grant is a therapist and has worked with thousands of people, thousands of people. And so, Grant, when, when we say when it comes to transformation, I just start, let's just start off, and let me ask the question, why is... Why is curiosity a better, a better way to come at it than like condemnation and self-condemnation?
have self-condemnation. Oh, no. <laughs> cool, I thank you. I broke it. It was me. I shouldn't have. Um, first off, thank you guys. And I am just so grateful to uh, be digging into this, uh, the style and approach. And this, is, this doesn't have to necessarily be therapy, but I just, over the years, this style has just become the way that I see life. It's just the way I see the matrix. And just knowing that there are different parts of us, different parts of me, different parts of my wife, my kids, you guys, it just helps you to realize that it's not, like if it's just a part, I'm gonna set this down. If it's not a part, if it's only a part of me that's acting in a certain way or having a certain thought, it means it's not all of you, right? So what a relief, man, I'm snapping at my kids. Yes, I still have to take responsibility, but how lovely that it's not all of me. Like, I'm not just an a-hole yelling at my kids, but, oh, there's a part of me that's triggered, you know? And so I think that if nothing else, getting to a place of curiosity and compassion and even just seeing things as parts is just so relieving. I often, some of my training in this, they call it that we as therapists are hope merchants because you just can't, you just can't um, put a gun to my head and make me believe that you're actually bad at your core for you hollering at your kids or doing whatever silly things that we do, sometimes not so silly, but I just know that we are like beautiful children of God at our core and that it's parts of us that are doing these things and all of them have a motive. So the, the quick answer to this is that ultimately if you are approaching yourself or these behaviors that you're doing, okay, all right, Matt said it's a part of me, okay? If we go at it with a sledgehammer, uh, we're just not gonna go anywhere. Because oftentimes, and I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but I make this goofy hand gesture of there are parts of us that are in pain and then parts of us that try to prevent pain. And oftentimes these parts that are trying to prevent pain are the parts that are kind of being messy on the surface, right? They're hollering at your kids. They're um, avoiding conversations. They are um, whatever it may be. But what I want you to know is that if we can get curious rather than condemnation is that you can start to realize it's actually a story. And oh, huh, I'm probably doing this behavior because there's something else going on. It's hard to do with the mic, but it's hard to, it, you know, there's something else going on underneath and we can start to be more compassionate and more curious because if we can get to the place where we can heal what's underneath, then the part of you that's hollering at your kids doesn't need to do that anymore because there's not, there's not that need. It's not like a safety issue to always shut down when you're in a meeting or to always talk too much in a meeting or, um, always eat the ice cream when you're stressed because that's like a soothing, you know, like, oh, I wonder what's underneath. So mm. the quick short answer of why that is that with condemnation, if you're coming at it aggressively and these are protectors, right, or they're parts of us that are trying to be protection, they'll, they'll dig in harder, right? So now I haven't healed what's underneath and I go eat a lot of ice cream, but here is this, um, sorry, I have a part of me that feels insecure about my weight, and so therefore I'm always exercising. If I try to do condemnation, then I'll probably end up going and eating a bunch of ice cream to try to self-soothe, which is therefore gonna kick this other part of me in and really, you know, it's just a vicious, turns into a vicious cycle. Yeah. So I have examples, but that's, that's the off the cuff why, is it's just so beautiful to remember that it's a story and that all of our parts are inherently good, but they're stuck in extreme roles and obviously, we might be in the weeds, but just if we can huh a little more, like, huh, I wonder why I'm doing that, it actually gets you more to compassion and therefore more to figuring out what the heck is underneath and being able to bring Jesus in and actually find that healing rather than, yeah, that's just this pattern that I always do. 
mm-hmm. and just accepting that as an identity versus like, well, huh, I wonder why that's the case. You told me that example um, that you use sometimes of the kid being lost. Yeah. All right, th- and this helped, this helped me because, and, and Grant, let me just reiterate a little bit what you said. I mean, it's so much better to have compassion than condemnation because there's a story underneath it. And when we come with condemnation and some hard, just stop doing it, just stop, it actually doesn't deal with the deeper story, the deeper right. thing that's going on. Yep. And when we can come with curiosity, huh, I want, huh, I wonder what's going on underneath there. That, that just opens a channel for actually God to do some of that heart transplant work yeah. and rewrite the story in his narrative, not just our broken narrative, but because what God says is true is the most true thing. The problem is we just often don't believe what God says. You're forgiven. No, I'm not. It, it's, you know, you, 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 you're okay being whatever. Your weight. No, I'm not. I got to look like that, whatever, that person on TV. All of the different ways our stories, we need to bring our story into God's story. So help me, help me un- tell that thing, tell everyone, because cool. it helped yeah. me. Yeah, cool. Okay, so there's a little bit of a guided, guided exercise. So if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, I would encourage you to do so. If not, you can just imagine it. So this is about exploring and just how we can approach parts with curiosity. So imagine that you are out camping, and I often think about the Redwoods, um, but you're out at a national park, maybe Rocky Mountain. And it's getting evening, you've lit a fire, you're just loving it, maybe you're with your family, maybe you're with your friends. And a park ranger comes around and says, hey, actually there's a a lost child in the woods and we're looking for volunteers to help be a part of a search party. And you're really excited about this camping trip, but you're like, okay, obviously this is more important. And so everybody sets out and I, in my own mind, I think about it as maybe a couple of hours. You're kind of cold, you're kind of hungry, you end up being the one to find this little guy or gal. And I picture this little, this little child and they're kind of huddled up against a tree and you don't have to say it out loud, but how would you approach this little child? They don't know you, they're scared, they're probably hungry. What's your body posture? they're still kind of resisting, what are some things you might say? Even like the tone or the pace of how you're talking to them. And so to me, so just take a snapshot of that. If you were to walk up and slap the kid and to say, hey, I'm camping, you're being a pain in the butt, throw, huck him over your shoulder and charge back through the woods, what's gonna happen? <laughs> you're gonna get bit on the shoulder and he's gonna run away and you're still gonna be on the search party, right? And he's probably gonna have trauma, need people like me, um, right? But how we often approach our own inner world is often that we need to fix it, we need to get this done, hurry up, you're in the way, versus what if we, you got down on his level and looked it in, in the eyes and said, hey buddy, I bet you're so scared. Like, I just want you to know, I'm gonna introduce myself. My name is Grant, I'm part of the search party. I know your parents, we've been looking for you. Are you hungry? Do you want, you know, do you want a um, cliff bar? Um, And so that's just a really beautiful way of, hmm, how am I approaching these younger, more vulnerable parts? And it's usually in that we need to fix it and get it done. 
And I have to add on, I think God <laughs> was like, dude, you got to add your, so my personal favorite then is, now imagine there's also, you find there's a hermit in the woods, and he's got a little shack maybe there, and he's sitting on his rocking chair with a shotgun, right? And if he doesn't trust that you have good intentions for that little kid, and you try to go charge in, you're going to get a back full of buckshot, right? Like, that's not great. So first, there might be another part of you that you would first need to address and introduce yourself to this hermit who's sitting there who doesn't really want much to do with the kid, but he's sure as heck not going to let him get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so first, you got to negotiate and just get to know and build trust with him even before you get to know the vulnerable parts. So what I like about that is that we might have parts that are really activated and like, and aggressive, and I eat ice cream when I'm sad, or whatever it may be, and that's fine, but just knowing that in, sometimes in order to get to what's underneath, you have to work with this other part that's acting more fiercely, mm. where if you come with condemnation, and you're like, hey, listen, old man, like I need to get to this kid because I'm having a great camping trip with the condemnation, it's just not gonna go anywhere. Right. So yeah. anyway, I think about that as far as our inner world and what would it be like if we could notice a behavior or notice a thing that we do and try to get compassion and first talk with it and say, OK, like, why am I doing that? And actually, is there a deeper reason that you were afraid would happen if you didn't do that? And um, it's just a beautiful deep waters. I feel like we can talk with Grant for a long time, but let's, yeah. let's stop there. Thank you, Grant, thank you. So here's the deal, you like one thing Grant said, Grant's like, hey Matt, uh, I've done this before, and one time we went like really deep with a big group. He's like, we like unlocked all this stuff and people like needed counseling and therapy and I couldn't like meet with everyone. Let's not do that today. And I'm like, yeah, Grant. But maybe you do sense something. Listen, th this is my role this morning is saying, here's my prayer. God, may we be as compassionate with ourselves as you are to us. And his loving kindness and his compassion. And over and over when we talk about hiding, we hide from God or we hide from others. We even hide from ourselves because we don't trust. We don't really trust in God's love or forgiveness or kindness towards us. And when we really bite into that, we don't need to hide. We don't need to hide. We don't need to hide from ourselves. And then we can start going deeper in the story. And so some of us may, you know, Grant, I asked Grant before. He's full. He can't, he's tapped. He doesn't have room for anybody else. We, Jeff Benson does this kind of work. He's a therapist. Melanie, my wife, is a therapist. Maybe you do want to take a step. And I, I could help you find someone or, or just on your own. Maybe that is a, a takeaway for you. Ultimate journey is another step. How many people we have doing that? This, uh, we have 11 people signed up that are, that are stepping into that. Sa same, same thing. When we talk about authentic relationship with God and one another and that we want to be the healthiest church, we got to deal with some of these things and it's not just we're going to put a stop doing that. Lord, transform us. Let us, be, let us be authentic enough to be honest. 
Let us go deeper into the story, not just deal with the presenting issue. God, bring your light and your truth. David, Shelley gave me this psalm in Psalm 86 this week where David, David prays and says, um, Lord, give me an undivided heart for you, an undivided, wholehearted. I remember being in our life group, where's Tony? Usually when I do this, I ask people ahead of time. I didn't ask Tony, but I think, <laughs> I remember we had a life group, and I'm in a life group with Tony and Kristen, and we all shared pretty honestly in this life group, and afterwards, Tony came up, and we were talking, and Tony said, I just wish you guys could be a little bit more kind to yourself. Take every, we talk, and then we get honest, but you're so hard on yourselves. And I don't know if you even see it. Let us be as compassionate towards ourselves as God is towards us. So, Father, where are you calling us out of hiding from ourselves? God, where are you asking us to sit with you and to be curious? And to experience the compassion of a father who loves us and longs to make us whole. Lord, we can be set free from hiding, of covering up. Our gracious father, his grace is sufficient. Remember last week, his grace is sufficient. And it allows us to sit in him and pray these words from David. I'm going to pray these same words that we read at the very beginning out of Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Father, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The band's going to come up. I'm going to just guide us into a bit of a prayer here. And, and the band's going to sing a song over us. So we can maybe, if you want to sit and receive, you sit and receive. If you want to stand and worship, stand and worship. If you want to kneel down, Father, too often, I, I think even in religious circles, we come with this bat and this condemnation, and I don't know if we think that you're leading it or we just don't know your character enough. God, you are kind and compassionate, slow to anger. us be as kind and compassionate with ourselves as you are with us. I think the enemy wants to just yell over us. Oh, I can't believe you thought that. Who are you? Look at these different parts of yourself. Now we come home to a father who, uh, when we're expecting condemnation instead, 
throws his arms open and it's a celebration. Lord, we open up our full self to you in all the parts. We do not hide. We do not cover up. We seek your light and your truth in all areas. Guide us through for your glory. We don't want to act a part. We want to be transformed. Help us encounter you to trust you.